excited for this Sunday. This is a, this is a big Sunday for us as Lake Effect Church. You know, for, um, for a, lot of, a year ago at this time, we still were not meeting in person. We were, we were allowed to meet, but only 10 at a time in the sanctuary. We, as many of you know, we don't own this building. We rent and we share this church with the Sudanese congregation. And the, the host church was a little bit more cautious a year ago about meeting together. They didn't want us to have more than 10 people in the auditorium. So we were only allowed 10 people each Sunday. So during last year, a lot of people in the beginning of the year were like, no, I need to find a church that I can actually attend each week. And people with kids were like, no, we, we, we need to find a church that has a kids' ministry. So in the beginning of the year, a lot of people kind of had the exodus from Lake Effect Church to find a church that they could actually meet with. And we totally understand. And that was kind of a dilemma that we had as a leadership team. Do we stay here or do we just kind of another place to meet? And we felt like God has really called us to be in this building, to be in this community, and to be with a Sudanese congregation who we all love so much. So we said, let's just see what happens. So that was a hard decision to make. And it cost us some people, but, you know, I'm glad we did it because I do believe that was God's plan for us as a church. But meanwhile, we shrunk in size quite a bit. So the conversation during the year was, would Lake Effect make it to the end of the year? Would we actually be around to go into 2022? So the conversation was quite a bit, you know, what do we do? How do we determine if we continue uh, to go into next year? But so at the time we're having an internal discussion, the rumors started to go through the city that Lake Effect was closing at the end of the year. So a lot of people started saying to me, hey, sorry to hear you're closing at the end of the year. It's like, no, that's not happening. You know, we're just talking about it. So as you can see, as we got towards the end of the year, we decided, no, Lake Effect is not going to stop meeting, but we're going to continue to go into 2022. So it's exciting to be here this Sunday and say, yes, we are continuing in the new year. We are continuing to move forward. I do believe that God has wonderful plans for each of us. I think God has prepared us more now than we've ever been to do what he's called us to do. And I think we have a wonderful assignment that he, he's, he's given to us as a church and a community. And just to encourage you, I want to let you know that uh, last, last week, um, there, there's, a prayer, there's a, a, a prayer group that meets in West Michigan here in Grand Rapids. It has grown to about 100 people that participate in prayer each week, and it's a, it's a lot of ladies. It was started about 20 years ago. Our very own Lori Dittmar was one of the catalysts to get that group started, and this is a group of people that take serious praying for Grand Rapids. I mean, they probably, I mean, I'm just totally guessing. I'm probably guessing the amount of prayer that they do for Grand Rapids and the city and the churches is probably if equal, if not greater, than what churches do in the city. It is a committed group of people that pray, and they take their assignment serious. I mean, they go out. If, there are, if there's murders in the city, they'll go to that crime scene the next day, and they'll, they'll pray over that scene, or they'll pray for the families. They'll visit the families. Incredible organization amount of prayer that they do. So Becky knows a couple of the ladies that are the, pretty much the leaders of that group, and she called Becky a couple of weeks ago and said, I'd like to meet and talk with you and, and Lori. So Lori Dittmar went with Becky, and yeah, she invited herself, but she was good to go. So she's so honest today. Confess your sins today. So Lori and Becky are meeting with the ladies from this uh, West Michigan prayer organization, and, and they're asking them what's going on at Lake Effect, and they were telling Becky, you know, they listened to my story and testimony, and they, they, they just had some questions, but they said to Becky, they said, you know, we believe that Lake Effect Church is a strategic church in this city, that Grand Rapids needs Lake Effect Church. And you might be small, and you might feel like you're insignificant, the city needs you. And they said, as their org prayer organization, they are committed to praying for us, to praying for us as we go through this time where it just seems a little strange that we shrunk down in size so much, but it's, it was encouraging that this powerful group of people that pray for the city said, we are going to strategically pray for Lake Effect Church this year because God has called you strategically to this city and we need you. We need your contribution to the city. And I think that is, that's just encouraging for me, and it should be encouraging for all of you as we are part of Lake Effect Church and part of what God wants to use us for in the city. But it's also been encouraging the last couple months is how much money people have sent in 
that, from people that don't go to Lake Effect. I mean, last month in November, uh, somebody gave Becky a check for $5,000 and said, you know, we don't go to Lake Effect Church, but we believe in you and believe in what God has called your church to do. And we know you're small and we want to help you. And this month in December, <clears throat> same thing as well. <clears throat> you know, people, you know, one person said, here's $1,000, here's another 500, here's another 500 people outside of the church, outside of even Michigan, but saying, I know what God has called you to do, and we want to stand with you. And that's just been incredible, because some people wonder, you're a small church, how do you pay your bills, how do you pay your rent, and all the expenses, and you know, it's just, it's amazing how God keeps providing for us, even though we've been much smaller. I mean, we've not missed a bill. I get paid, and we pay our rent, and we, we tithe in this church. You know, we help support Andrew and Carly and Nepal, and, you know, we've not, we keep doing what we've done three years ago. So it's amazing how God has sustained us because God has a strategic purpose for us as individuals, but also this church. So it's exciting to be here the first Sunday this year and exciting for you that are home watching online or will watch later in this week to know that God has strategically called us, and there's a calling on this church, and there's a calling on each of us to, to do what God has called us to do. So I'm, I'm excited to be together. So let me open up with prayer, and then Greg will lead us in a few songs, and then we'll get to my message. So Heavenly Father, we just come before you in the beginning of 2022. And God, I say thank you for guiding us through the last couple of years, for bringing us here to the first Sunday of this new year. And Lord, we are excited about the opportunities. We are excited about the plans and the purposes that you have for each of us and for this church as well. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to lead and guide and direct. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would encounter each of us in this service today. It doesn't matter if we're here or we're online at home or maybe we're watching and next week, Tuesday. God, I pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit on each of us. God, I pray that you'd speak to each of us, that you would encourage us, that you'd bring comfort to us. God, I pray today, Lord, that you would just fill us with your Spirit so we can do all that you've called us to do this new year. God, I pray that today would help set the course for each of us. God, our desires to serve you, our desires to honor you, our desires to be obedient to you. So, Lord, we ask for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit so we can do what you've called us to do in this new year. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, again, welcome to all of you, those of you joining us online as well. Welcome to the first Sunday of the new year. As I said, I'm excited for this new year, I'm excited for the new opportunities, but I'm also excited because we're starting a new series today. And I always like the beginning of the year with a new series, and I also like the title of this new series. I'm calling this new series, You Be You, or You Do You. I call it B, she calls it do. But You Do You, and some of you are probably like, when Trey first heard what series I'm doing, he's like, you can't say that in church. That's not church language, you do you. And it's like, it's not. But yeah, he liked it. He said it's subversive. He said it's going to raise people think, what does that mean? Because generally, when you talk about you do you, it usually means in culture, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want to do that's going to bring you happiness, that's going to bring you joy, that's going to bring you fulfillment. That's kind of what it means in our culture. But over time, even in our culture, it's evolved to mean you do you means you got to discover who you really are, and you need to be your true authentic self. And that's what I love about the younger generation, the emerging generation. They're all about authenticity. And they're all about doing you the real authentic. Don't pretend you're somebody else. Don't try to live like somebody else. You do you. But see, in the church world, we believe that too. But we believe we find our true authenticity through our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how you discover who you really are so you can really do you, so you can really be you. As I said last week, we live in a culture that we want to know our identity. We want to know our purpose. We want to know where we belong more than anything else. And as people, we crave to know that. But the only way you really discover your identity and purpose and where you belong is through your relationship with Christ. And through an understanding of God's Word. So that's what we're going to do this year. We're going to understand in a better way who we are so we can be the authentic version of each of us. And then we're the authentic church. 
It's just a beautiful thing that we get to do. And how we're going to do it is we're going to discover all the gifts that God's given to us. You know, we all talk about God's given us gifts of faith. He's given us his gift of grace. He's given us his gift of salvation. But we're also going to talk about the spiritual gifts that God's given to each of us. In order to be who we really are, we have to understand, do you have the gift of prophecy? Do you have the gift of words of knowledge? Do you have, a word, do you have the gift of being a teacher? Do you have the word gift of being a pastor? Do you have the gift of hospitality? What are these unique gifts that God has given to each of you? Because the more you understand these gifts, the more you start doing them in your life. And that's authenticity. Then you can really do you. The best version of Jack is when I am doing exactly what God's created me to be. Well, the best version of Jack is when I understand my gifts and my callings, but I also understand my limitations. And I do what God's calling me to do. So that's going to be an exciting part of this year. It's going to be an exciting part of this year, understanding all these different gifts that God has given us and how we respond to these gifts. So that's a fun way to start the year by talking about unwrapping more gifts. Because that's what the Bible's full of, gifts. So this year's going to be a constant Christmas. We're just going to be unwrapping and unwrapping and unwrapping. But I'll tell you what, it's hard to get excited right now. It's hard to get excited right now because in the natural life, things are still pretty difficult. We still got this thing COVID going on. I read a headline today saying, how do we prepare as we go into our third year of COVID? You're like, that's right. We're entering a third year of COVID in a few months. It's hard. I mean, politics, it's not getting easier. I mean, it's, it, it's sad that we become numb to the violence in our culture. We become numb to school shootings. You just hardly pay attention anymore because they become so common. And it's sad what's happening in our society. And so there's such a tendency to not be really excited about a new year. And a lot of people have had a lot of significant loss in the last year, too. A lot of people have dealt with a lot of people dying. Some people, I know some people who I think they know more people who died of COVID than I know people who've had COVID. Some of my friends have gone through extreme loss in the last year, in the last two years, and we want to be sensitive to people that have had a hard time. But also what's hard for people right now, it's so hard to predict what's next. We are a people that kind of like to know what's going to happen next. We like to kind of predict trends. We like to predict the future. We like to kind of analyze what's happening in culture and estimate where we're going to be at. People haven't been able to do that. You listen to all the people that made predictions about COVID in the world in the last two years, I think most of them have been wrong. And that's hard for us because we like to predict, but we predict we can make better plans. And it hasn't been happening. And people are discouraged because nobody knows how to really, how do you plan for vacation this summer? Some people can't even plan to get a flight this afternoon because things are canceled. Not things that are happening we never anticipated. Who would have anticipated that churches would be having to close and not allow people to come in and just oh, so much stuff has happened. And with so much lack of planning and so much lack of predicting, people become really discouraged. But what if? But what if God was going to use everything that's been going on at the last two years for a better purpose? What if in the last two years God has been preparing us for something that none of us could have ever predicted or planned for? Amen. What if God was going to bring healing and restoration to people experiencing grief right now in a way that nobody could have ever predicted or planned? What if God has some plans that are happening behind the scenes that none of us know about, but that are going to surprise us in a wonderful way? I think there's going to be a lot of good that's going to come this year. We just don't know it yet. But we should have some anticipation. But I know it's hard, especially people that are grieving. I don't want to try to force you to move out of a season of grief until it's the right time. But I think God is up to something that's going to encourage us this year. How many of you remember, or how many of you know of, Veggie Tales? 
Probably every one of you has heard about VeggieTales. Does everybody know VeggieTales? All online. I think you do. VeggieTales is this very popular Christian's video with vegetables. Back in 1990, Phil Vischer, he's a creator and the founder of VeggieTales, he was 24 years old and he had a computer in his apartment in Chicago and he created, who's a cucumber? Uh, Larry. He created Larry the Cucumber. The first, one of the first computer-generated images. And so here in 1990, he created Bob, or Larry the Cucumber, and Bob, Bob the Tomato. And suddenly he started producing these Christian videos, and you know what? People loved them. Because at that time, kind of Christian entertainment for kids kind of lagged pretty far behind. And suddenly Phil Vischer's on scene and he's creating these videos and kids across America and across the world are loving them. And Phil was so excited with his new company. He was so excited what was happening in children's entertainment that he said, I want to become the Christian Disney. And you know what? I think people thought he was going to do it. He was making tremendous progress. And by 1999, a lot of people were saying, I could see this becoming a next kind of Disney production of children's videos for Christians because of the momentum that he had gained. And he, at that time, he was producing, I think, his first real movie that was going to be in theaters. And at that time, what, what he said, Phil Vischer said, he said, he believed, he said, my role here on earth is to dream up amazing things to do for God. He believed that if his dreams were selfish, God would make all of it come true. He said, my impact would be huge. The world would be changed, and I could become the next Christian Disney. And people thought it was going to happen. But by 2003, the dream was over. And his company was now bankrupt and it was auctioned off in the courts to the highest bidder. His 10, 12, 13-year ride was quickly over. As you can imagine, the founder was pretty devastated. He had made big progress. He had a huge company at one time. But despite his best plans, it all failed. So 10 years after it all crumbled around him, they asked Phil Vischer, what do you think went wrong? And this is what he said. He said, the more I dove into Scripture, the more I realized I had become deluded. I had grown up drinking a dangerous cocktail, a mix of the gospel, the Protestant work ethic, and the American dream. The Savior I was following seemed, in hindsight, equal parts Jesus, Ben Franklin, and Henry Ford. My eternal value was rooted in what I could accomplish. He continued to examine the failure of his ministry, and he determined that life is not about impact. Life is all about obedience. And that was a conclusion that he made after watching his company fail. His life is not about impact. It's not about all the great plans that you can come up with. Life's all about being obedient to Jesus every step of the way. So if obedience is the goal, then following is always a pathway to obedience. Now if you're here with us last week, I talked about the Israelites and their departure from Egypt. God made this very simple plan for the Israelites. I lead, you follow. The simple plan, God said, was I make the plan and you follow the plan. So God made it pretty easy on them. He put a cloud in the sky by day and a fire in the sky by night. That's all they had to do was follow. It doesn't get a whole lot more difficult than just looking up, okay, where do I go today? So maybe in 2022, life is a little bit more complicated than the Israelites three, 4,000 years ago. Probably our global economy does make things a little trickier than life for the Israelites, and we probably have a few more distractions. But the truth is, not much has really changed for God's plan for his people. He leads, we follow. He makes the plans, we follow. We don't have to look up in the sky anymore to follow the lights. He's put the light and the fire inside each of us. He's made it a little bit easier for us, you could say. But just like the Israelites, 
Sometimes we don't want to follow that cloud. Sometimes we don't want to follow that fire. We kind of like to make our own plan, and we like to create our own future. And see, I think that's why a lot of people are really discouraged right now and why people are really frustrated, because they're used to living their life by making their own plans and following their own plans and seeing their own dreams and success come to fruition. Now, there's nothing wrong with making a plan. We all know that. We know God gives us plans to follow. But I think some people are frustrated because the days of being able to predict what comes next and make a plan to execute, that doesn't happen anymore. The last three, two, three years, we've seen such a disruption. But yet there still remains a call to follow God in great obedience today. So today I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's the book of the Old Testament. It's a wonderful chapter because in this chapter, the Israelites are beginning kind of a new year. They're beginning a new era. They are going to get out of the wilderness. They're going to cross over the Jordan River, and they're going to get finally into the promised land that they've been trying to get into for decades. So the Israelites are on the verge of entering into a new season, a new reality. I like to call it a new year. They wanted to get in this land. So the whole chapter 8 is all about getting the Israelites to cross over. They're going to enter into a new year. And I think as we read this chapter, it's a good chapter to remind each of us how we need to prepare for the new year. So this is a word to the Israelites from God right before they are going to enter into the promised land. And as you recall from last week or from your own Bible study, the Israelites, they got out of Egypt and they could have got into the promised land in a couple few weeks. But their grumbling and complaining, their lack of trusting in God caused their 40-day walk to the promised land to turn into 40 years. So here they are, ready to cross the river. And here's what God says. He says, be careful. Be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Then you will live and multiply, and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands? Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as parents discipline a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is, is as common as stone and copper, copper as abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is, but that is a time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. When you become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at the time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you out of slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all of this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God, he is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. 
So here are the Israelites. They're right on the edge of the Jordan River. They're finally ready to cross over. But see, this wasn't just an invitation to move, to get a new address, to get a new house with a new garden. This was more than just changing your address. This was a new invitation for the Israelites to live a life of obedience. See, in this new land, they are going to have to live in the presence of God, and they were going to have to be this dependent on God in the new land just as much, if not more, as they were in the wilderness in Egypt. See, life in this new land, it looked pretty good from what I read. New houses, new wealth, land flowing with milk and honey, but also in this land is going to come a lot of opposition. A lot of the enemies of the Israelites are going to be in that promised land, and the Israelites are going to be facing their enemies one after the other. They're going to have to go into that new promised land with the confidence that God is with them, and the confidence that God is going to fight their enemies for them. See, our life doesn't look a whole lot different from the Israelites. See, moving into the promised land, that's a metaphor for the Israelites of what it's like for us to live in a relationship with God. See, to live in the promised land, we would say this is our process of sanctification. Or to live in the, process, or to live in the promised land is our process of integration or restoration. See, when you're going to walk into the promised land like the Israelites, sure, it's going to be beautiful. God's going to provide every single thing you need, but there's also going to be opposition. There's going to be enemies in the land that want to defeat you. There's going to be enemies in the land that want to, that want to make you do things that you don't want to do. You're going to have to deal with your struggles, your temptation, your proclivities to sin. Those are going to be in the promised land as well. And the Israelites are going to need to rely on the presence of God that God is with them and that he has a plan for them, but also that God is going to defeat every single one of the enemies they come in contact with. Because the truth about the Israelites, the Israelites never became a superpower. The Israelites never became a military superpower. The Israelites were never known that they had the best in equipment to fight wars. They never, were, they never would become the best military power in the Middle East. What separated the Israelites from their enemies is that God fought every single one of the battles for the Israelites. If you look through the Old Testament, there's never a reason why the Israelites would win a battle. They weren't strong, they weren't powerful, they didn't have a military. They won every battle because God fought it for them. Even think of how did they defeat Jericho. They walked around it seven times till it crumbled. That doesn't happen without God fighting your battles for you. And that's the, what the Israelites are going to have to learn. They're going to have to rely on God every step away as they're in the new land. And that's intimidating at times. That's intimidating for the Israelites that they're going to go into the promised land and they're still going to have to defeat, deal with enemies. See, we always think the good life is going to be if I can enter into the promised land and all my enemies are gone, all my temptations are gone, all my vulnerabilities are gone. That would be the good life. That life is coming someday when we enter into heaven. But for now, we have to deal with the fact that we have enemies. And the only way to defeat our enemies is to trusting in God and trusting that he's going to fight every single battle for us. But see, what's so encouraging for the Israelites And so what's so encouraging for us right now is the Israelites coming into the promised land. They're coming into renewal. They're coming into a revival. They're coming into a rebirth. And what always precedes rebirth is chaos. The Israelites are coming out of chaos and they're moving into the new land of renewal. And I think if we look around our country, around our city, We see a lot of chaos. Sometimes chaos is a setup for renewal. This was a setup for the Israelites, but they were going to have to trust God if they wanted to get the most out of the renewal that God had for them in the new land. And that's no different from each of us. God has a big new 2022 for us. And what we need to do is live in the presence of God and trust that Jesus is going to fight every battle for us. But also, we need to remember 
that the Israelites were prepared to live in the promised land in the wilderness. Each of us have been through a wilderness experience, especially the last two years. I know a lot of your stories. A lot of you have spent a lot of time in the wilderness. You've been through a lot of hard and difficult situations in your life. Each person here I know has had a wilderness experience. And look how they were prepared in the wilderness. I'm going to go back to Deuteronomy 8 and chapter, Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 where it says, listen to this, it says, yes, God, God humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See what he taught them in the wilderness. Everything that they needed to learn how to live in the promised land, God taught them in the wilderness. Some of us wonder, how do we live in 2022? How do we live when it's still so uncertain? He taught you last year. Everything you need to know to move forward, God has already taught you. I love this verse. What did God do? He taught them how to rely on him by them being hungry. God taught them spiritual lessons through their physical challenges. Everything that they experienced physically that was hard, that was difficult, God used it to teach them a spiritual lesson. Who would have thought you're hungry and you wanted a meal? It would teach you dependence on God. See right here, this little verse, that tells you why we fast. That's we tell you why we do the practice of fasting. Because hunger always teaches us we need more of God's power in our life. Hunger always teaches us a greater reliance on God. And so often, the reason we fast is not because we become superpowers. No, it teaches us to rely on God even more. And God is saying to the Israelites, everything you need to know how to live in the new land, I already taught you. So what are you so nervous about? Why are you worried about the obstacles you're going to face? I taught you everything you know in the wilderness. So I think sometimes we forget that when we go through hard times, that's education. Every one of us has learned so much in the last two years. We just don't really know it yet. We've been taught things, but we probably don't even recognize it. But the last two years have been incredible times of God teaching us spiritual principles through going through a lot of physical sufferings. But we've learned a lot. We can go into this new year with confidence of, God taught me a lot the last two years. Some of you can say God taught me a lot the last decade, two decades, three decades. But God always prepares before he sends us into the new thing. The Israelites were prepared for the promised land because they learned it in the wilderness. But there's always this temptation. There's always this temptation to think I have to have a plan to think, I, I, I have to really know what to do next. There's a struggle sometime when you don't know exactly what to do next. Everybody's experiencing that right now. It's a hard time predicting. I think you can't even predict what's COVID going to look like Tuesday. None of us can. That makes us all so uncomfortable right now that we can't predict, we can't plan. But God can predict, and God can plan, and God goes before us, and he goes behind us, and he's leading us in a charge that sometimes I don't even think we're totally well aware of what he's doing, and that's okay. There's always that tendency, you want to have your own plan. That's why in the scripture they warn people, don't get into that promised land and get all successful and get a big old house and a big bank account and then forget that was God that got you into the new land. That's the warning. And out of Americans, come on. We have so much wealth and we forget where it came from. See, the Israelites, see you and I, we don't have to be able to predict the future. Yeah, God does give prophetic words. God does, helps us to see sometimes. And God gives plans and that's great. We, and then when God gets a plan, we need to follow it up. But sometimes when you can't predict and you can't plan, that's okay. When you're uncertain about 2022, that's okay. Because we don't have to follow a plan. 
because we have Jesus to follow. We have the Holy Spirit inside each of us, so we don't have to worry about plans. You just got to get up in the morning. And second is, we don't need a plan because we have the power that comes from God each day. We can live in the power of God. And the third thing is, we don't need a plan because we've all been prepared. And we are moving into this new year prepared with boldness and with confidence, expectation. We're prepared in ways we don't even know. But we're going to be successful in this new year because God has called us into this new year and he's prepared us. And we just go in with a confidence knowing God is faithful that he's going to lead us. I want to close this message with two points that I think are important for us to remember of why we don't have to worry in the new year and why we don't have to worry when we open the newspaper. See, as I said, we're not going to go into the new year with every single problem solved. We all know that. We know when COVID goes away, there's going to be something else on the headlines. We're always going to have something that we're dealing with our life. The whole idea of we can go back to the pre-COVID world, that ain't going to happen. Because even if it did happen, there would be something else that is going to happen. However, I think God wants to remind each of us that we can go into this new year with a different attachment to your problems. Or we can go into the year with a different connection to your problems or your situations. Maybe it would be easier if I said we can go into this new year with a new perspective over our problems. Sometimes we have this idea that I have a problem, I have a situation, I have a burden, i got to carry this. i got to figure out what to do with this. i got to figure out how to solve this. And I think what God wants to remind of each of us is we're too attached to our problems. We're too attached to our situation. We're too attached to our difficulties. We're too attached to the things that let us down. I think God wants to remind us that he is our shepherd and he is the one that leads us. And if you are submitted to Jesus, if you are surrendered to Jesus and obedient to Jesus, suddenly all your problems, they're Jesus's problems, not yours. They're his problems to figure out. They're his problems to lead you through them. But that is such a tough thing to do. It's tough to handle your pro- hand, hand your problems over to Jesus and remember you handed them over. That's why I love the scripture that says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. That's 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Listen now, the Passion Translation says, pour out all of your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. I love that picture. I guess a picture of a picture. Put all of your problems and pour them all out. That's such a good visual. And probably pour them out again and pour them out again. In the amplified version, it says, cast all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all. Why? Because God cares affectionately for you. And he cares for you watchfully. That's such a beautiful picture that God is watching you. He's watching and he knows everything that's going on. And he's saying, just pour them out. That's just a good visual, I think, for us to remember when life seems overwhelming. Just imagine you got a picture in your hand. Putting all your problems in there and pour them all out. And the next thing I think is good for us to remember in this new year It's something that seems so basic, but we seem to forget it. It's that we encounter God all the time. And we forget it. We forget that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We forget that we have God inside of us. I think sometimes we think the Holy Spirit, that's just junior God. 
But remember the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all together. You got the Holy Spirit, that means you got God and Jesus inside of you too. Everyone lives with the presence of God in us. And sometimes we feel alone. I love Hebrews 10, 19. I love this. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm boldly and without hesitation. Do you know what that scripture just said? It says every single time you pray, you step into the heavenly realm and you're in the room with God and all the other angels. Every time you pray in the name of Jesus, suddenly you're in the heavenly realms. You're standing in front of God. You're not here on the earth praying and saying, boy, I hope this prayer makes it to heaven. I'm hoping this one gets through. No. This is a Hebrew says, no. You say, you start praying, dear Jesus, boom. You're suddenly in the room of God. Hey, God, I'm a little concerned right now. I'm a little worried about the future. When you pray, you are in the presence of God. There's angels surrounding you. I think we're so numb to the spiritual realm, we forget the fact we're, God's here. You go do a Bible study at home, God's there right with you. You come to Wednesday night, he's going to really come this Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday morning, the ladies, they pray at Wednesday morning at 9.30? 9.30. You know, you're at home praying. Suddenly, God's in the room. Well, no, you're not. God's in the room with you. You're up in the heavenly realm. You're with God. And he's sitting there saying, what are the cares you got to cast today? What do you need me to help you with? That's amazing that we can be in the presence of God in the matter of seconds. I love what Hebrews 4.16 says. It says, so let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We all are in a time of need every day. And it says, what does Hebrews say? You just pray. You step into the throne room with God, but come with confidence. Don't come wondering, does he like me? Is he going to hear me? Is he mad at me because of what I did? No, it says you can come in confidence before God. And you're going to receive mercy and you're going to receive grace to help you in your time of need. That's how we're going to go into 2022. We're going to go into 2022 with confidence. Because we know we are going to receive mercy and grace at our time of need. We can go into this new year knowing that whatever we need, it's available to us because God has prepared us. He's equipped us. He's given us gifts. He's given us his love. And he's given us his presence. This year, we need to live in the presence of God. And we live with dependence on God. That's all we need to live in this new year. His presence and dependence. And he'll give us everything we need. So let's close this message by doing a little communion. Hopefully at home you found your little juice or your little cracker or cookie or leftovers, whatever you have. It's a little tricky here. Here in the sanctuary we're doing these portable. You can peel that little top off and get to the wafer. But I love this scripture in 1 Corinthians 11. We read the scripture a lot when we do communion. It says, For he gave thanks to God, he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. That word remembrance is a powerful word, especially in Hebrew culture. See, in American culture, when we say, Do this in remembrance of me, we think, just 
remind yourself. Just remind yourself of what Jesus did. Or I say, hey, remember, we just, we think of, we just remind yourself of an old memory or what Jesus did. But see, in the Hebrew culture, to remember was to relive a past event. In the Hebrew culture, if you were going to remember something, you wanted to relive that event. That's why in the Old Testament they would celebrate Passover every year. Let's not just remember it, let's do it with a feast and a festival. Let's kind of reenact it so we experience it again. That's why in the Old Testament they would celebrate these big feasts throughout the years. The Feast of Shabbat every Friday, and they would do the Feast of Tents and the Feast of Tabernacles so they could relive experiences. And so God, so what Jesus was saying, we do communion, you're doing it and remember, but let's relive what he's done for us. And part of reliving what Jesus has done for you is to remind yourself of your testimony. To remind yourself of what God really did to get you out of your Egypt. Sometimes we just remember in my own head, but sometimes the best way to relive it is you tell somebody else. You share your testimony and say, hey, do you know what Jesus did for me? Do you know what Jesus did for me at my time of great need? Do you know what he did to time of me when I needed mercy and I needed grace? That's how we relive communion is when we start sharing our story. And we tell other people what Jesus has done for me. See, in this new year, we're going with confidence. And we're going in boldness. But we're also going as missionaries. We're all becoming missionaries this year. We're all going to share our story with more people this year. We're going to share more with people what Jesus has done in our life. We're going to tell people how Jesus got us out of Egypt, how he got us through the wilderness. We're going to be telling people about how Jesus rescued us. we tell people how Jesus gave us security. That's what we're going to do this year. That's going to take some confidence because there's always resistance when you're moving into the new land. But in this year, God's wanting to expand his kingdom. And so there's a lot of enemies that have been set up against us. But God in this year is saying, I'm going to fight them for you. You just listen to my plans. I have plans for you, and I will tell you at just the right time, you're not going to miss the cloud. You're not going to miss the fire. God's going to make sure that you're in step with him this year. He's going to. He's he's big enough. We all make silly mistakes and watch TV too much, but he'll get us up at the right time. We're going to be successful this year. We're going to take this communion today. Remembering what he's done, but also as a declaration of what we're going to do. We're going to be sharing our story with other people in this new year to expand this kingdom of God. That's how we're going to get more people in Lake Effect Church. We're going to just expand the kingdom. Well, the people aren't here because they don't know Jesus yet. But they'll come to know him this year and we'll fill this church up. That's the plan. So let's take this. Let's say, God, thank you for the, blood, the body of Jesus that was broken for us. Then we take the blood of Jesus, the reminder of the juice, or if you're at home, whatever you're drinking. And the blood of Jesus was shed on the cross that we could have new life, that we could be reborn and rebirthed and renewal. So we're going to take this and say, God, thank you for renewal. So let me pray and have Greg come up. Greg will lead us in our last song, and then I'll close with a benediction. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this service. God, I thank you for the activity of your Holy Spirit that's in this room, and that's in the room of people watching online as well. I thank you, God, that you are the God who we're, we're in your presence. And you're saying to each of us, you just come with boldness, you just come with confidence, and I'm going to give you grace and mercy this year that none of you, that's, that's going to surprise you all. I thank you for that, God. I thank you that you're a good father. And I thank you, Lord, for the good plans that you have for each and every one of us. I thank you, God, that you are going to prosper us in this new year and that you are going to uh, direct our steps. We pray. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Okay, so I just want to share. Hold on. There we go. Thank you. Okay, I said I'm going to be sharing a testimony. This one actually isn't mine, but it's something that I heard last night. I didn't write this book alone. It's actually with a, a man named Chuck Pierce. And this is a, a testimony that he gave last night, and I think it's very pertinent for our 2022. And he told, of his, he told a story uh, and retold it last night in a conference I was listening to about uh, a time when they had a real, uh, a real need, a very dark need, that they just needed a lot to accomplish what they felt the Lord was going to do for them. They needed, um, they just had a great financial need, and he didn't see a way through it. He honestly didn't, and he's a man of great faith. And he was sitting in the car with his brother Keith, and they were having a conversation about this. And he said, God's just going to have to do something. He's going to have to break through to show me that he is providing for me in the new year. And he he said he came to a stoplight and a raven flew onto the roof of his car holding three french fries in his mouth and that raven dropped the french fries and just left and they knew that it was the spirit of god that had come and it was just like the raven came and and, and fed elijah in the old testament and just dropped those french fries and his brother keith very tongue-in-cheek said well now all we need is ketchup and another raven flew to their car and dropped a packet of ketchup now that's what god's going to do for us in 2022 he is going to come to us and drop what we need when we need it and so I just wanted to share that one testimony with you because I believe that it is very prophetic of our 2022, that at times when we don't even see exactly how God is going to provide for us and our need is great, he is going to bring it to us right where we're at. In Jesus' name. Lori has one more thing. One more thing. I'm sorry. You guys, a verse that is so close to my heart for years and years and years is Jeremiah 315 and it says I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding and I just want to say I don't mean to exalt man I'm exalting God in this place Jack you have stepped into a new level you have stepped into a new, higher anointing, if that's possible. Your words this morning were life over this church, and I believe even life over this city. I'm expecting big things to happen, and I want you all to seriously pray for Jack and Becky as we go into 2022, and their family, Sam, dear Sam, Trey, Nick, had a, another seizure the other day. Uphold them in prayer. This is a life-giving word to us, and we are moving into something so exciting. I'm so excited, and I thank you. I thank you so much, Jack, for being free in the spirit and the word. It blesses us.